Hello and welcome back to Bleeding Blue. This is a New York football Giants history show, history podcast. My name is Justin and with me today is one of my best friends in the entire world, Snacks. How are you, my friend? You good? Justin, have I ever had a bad day in my life? Never. Never had a bad day in your life. Never once. And today is no different. I am doing great today. I'm so happy to be back. Um, I am loving the book that we are talking about and we're, we're finishing strong and uh, I appreciate all of our listeners and viewers that have been with us this whole year and um, continue to be with us going on. So you want to just do something crazy and get right into it or I kind of want to do something crazy. You know, I had a thought in my brain, uh, uh, thought in uh, my brain, you know that's what I'm doing? I'm doing, oh, Jesus I'm, I'm doing, I'm pulling a, uh, Calling an audible, as as they say in the. Oh my goodness, Omaha, 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 Omaha is not an audible. It's just no, it's not. Uh, it's on one. It's on the one. next. The next noise you hear, it's gonna yep. be it's gonna yeah, snap yeah, the yeah. ball. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fucking idiot. Jokes on you. Um. Well, I was a fucking idiot. I kind of want to make you mad, or not? Uh, no, 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 no. Go no. ahead. I dare you. I dare you. No, no, no. I don't want to make you mad. I, I, I want to get you pumped. I, I want to get your blood flowing. I, I want to get a reaction to start the show. I was going to do this a little bit later, but you know what? I want to do it now. Oh, you hid this from me pregame, huh? You really 8.30 not, you... p.m. 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday night, 1989. Don't know what date this is, but it's the week before the Philadelphia Eagle game, 1989. We're reading a book called No Medals for Trying. Go back last week. It was part by one. The way, this by is the part way. two. But 8.30 p.m., we're in Bill Parcells' office. Today, the coach is saying, Bill Parcells, I told the team after practice that I was tired of hearing about the Eagles because they had never beaten anyone or done anything of any significance. I said, all they did is win one division and lost the first playoff game. There's a lot of guys here who have done more than that. I said, I'm just tired of hearing about them and the way they do things. I don't really care whether they received it or not. As long as they knew my mind was completely on Philadelphia. That's all that I cared about today. That immediately puts all other things away. If you don't watch it, the press will come in and start talking about the San Francisco game. And I want their minds on the Eagles. I'm going to read this one part to you again. I told the team after practice that I was tired about hearing about the Eagles because they had never beaten anyone or done anything of any significance. And I, know for a fact that after we read the conclusion of this book, which will be some 260 pages, and we're about, I think we're a little, I don't know, we're probably a little bit more than halfway done. That will be your favorite quote throughout this book. There's not even a question in my mind, Justin. I'm already, I'm already fired up because of that. You have a coach that you get that quote from. I'm sick and tired of the Eagles. Are you kidding me? As fans, what do me and you, me and you, will all text about each other? I, I'm sick of the Eagles. I, I'm sick of the Cowboys. I hate this team. I hate this team. Oh, blah, blah, blah. and we always think maybe that it's not their mindset as players and coaches in a locker room like that. It's more important to us than it is to them. Sometimes is what we think. To hear yep. that, to hear that. Oh my God! In and heaven, the fact my that oh you... my God in heaven. And the fact that you had a very similar rant this past offseason when you were talking about why are the Dallas Cowboys called America's team? 
because they've done nothing of significance. They've won, you know, they don't do anything. They literally, what Bill Parcells says, says about the Eagles in the 80s, you know, they get all the hype and they're getting all the yeah. excitement because of Cunningham and Buddy Ryan. And, you know, Buddy Ryan has the electric personality. And actually, the week before this, they played the Dallas Cowboys. And there was a rumor that, he put a bounty on a kicker for whatever reason. He put a bounty on a kicker. Like they wanted to hurt a kicker and buddy Ryan was Loser. like, well, this kicker sucks. Why would I put a bounty on him? Which I thought was kind of funny. Buddy Ryan was funny. like, why would I put a bounty on a kicker? That it stinks. Kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but still, you know, uh, uh, they were, they were a headline every week, you know, because of how, you know, exciting the team is on paper, Reggie white, you know, you, you got to block Reggie white. And, you know, he's one of the, the best defensive linemen of all time, especially interior guys. Right. So um, this rant that Parcel says, you know, they've only they've only won the division. They haven't won a playoff game. And if they do win a playoff game, they don't win more than one. That matches exactly your America's team calling Dallas America's team is anti-American earlier in the offseason. Like that, well, that it matches that rant. It's 100 percent true. And I, I mean, I, I've said it once. You could you could clip it back if you need to. We It's on the Bleeding Blue Twitter channel. Regardless, Dallas has not won anything in 25 years, and they're still called America's teams, which means we as Americans are losers because we haven't won in that long. But the fact that Parcells goes out to his players and says it like that, to me, as a fan, is riveting. Like, we, as fans, the rivalry is more more concrete and more ridiculous than the players, in my opinion. They're getting paid to go do their job. But to us, we're paying to see them, and we want to beat them all the time. So the fact that Parcells, who is a Jersey guy, who is a Giants fan growing up, and he's saying, like, the Eagles did nothing. The Eagles haven't won this, blah, 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 blah. That is so awesome to me, and I am so gassed up right now. I don't know how we can go on the rest of this episode without you keeping me at this level of intensity because I'm right here. I'm red hot. Look at my hair. Look at my hair. Look at your shirt. Look at my shirt. I was waiting for that. I, I just ordered it on Amazon. I thought it was a pretty nice shirt. Yeah. I'm red hot. I'm boiling. And I love it. Parcells, that's why he was He was who he was. He was the game changer. He was the coach that changed the whole franchise around. And to say those words about Philly, that scumbag, disgusting, rotten, bullshit, cunty-ass city, I said my piece. Good for you. I said my piece. That Good pumped me up. That really yeah. pumped me up. I, I didn't know that this happened, but apparently, because <sighs> we, we have the same microphone, so apparently if you're too loud, the microphone, the, the light will blink. It, it, it was blinking for you, red and green, red and green when you were going, which is, I, I'm happy for you. That's how I know you're in it. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Are, are we going to have all the audio? Oh, no, we're going to have the audio. All right, good. All right, good, because I'm probably not done. Good, good. I'm feeling right, so, it. All right, so I wasn't, I, I, w- I was planning on starting off with something different, but I wanted to get your blood going, and I'm going to keep going with this. So Let's go. Let's go. There was a theme last week where stemming off the bad Monday Night Football loss in Candlestick Park, you know, the, the humbling play and ride home, plus recognizing that you may be without Phil Sims or LT for the next game. So you're still kind of recovering after that. So we're kind of recovering. We're starting to practice and we are knee deep. We're, we're in the game plan for Philly. So this, so today we're taking you through Wednesday and Thursday. 
So by the time you're listening to next week, part three is going to begin Friday morning um, preparing for the Eagles game. So Wednesday and Thursday. And all throughout this, these two chapters that I read, it was downplaying the Eagles. Like the, the theme last week was talking about Buddy Ryan and, you know, Randall Cunningham and how the, the last three times that the Eagles beat the Giants, you know, they're on a little bit of a, lo- a losing streak. The Giants are to the Eagles at this point. The last three times that they played, it was just Randall Cunningham scrambling and improvising that really made the difference in the game. And they talked humbly about Reggie White. We have to block Reggie White. We have to really get together and, you know, uh, get that dude and Buddy Ryan. You know, he's unconventional, but he's a good coach. So Bill Parcells tipped the cap. This, this, the next two days, none of that. <laughs> really, none of that. The mood is a lot different where they're kind of downplaying the Eagles. So Bill Parcells says, you know, that whole, you know, I don't, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the Eagles rant to his team uh, after practice. And then look, and then one of the other coaches, they go on to say this, look, they're a team whose production is basically a production of people. What they have is a nice scheme and they execute it perfectly. They give the ball to three guys, Cunningham, Byers, and Jackson Carter on that touch pass down in the red zone. Remember Vince Carter, he was a Philadelphia Eagle earlier, early in his career mm-hmm. before he really broke out. He was kind of just a red zone option with the Eagles. So um, basically the other people are role players. I can't look in his head, but I'm willing to bet you there are times in the huddle where he says to say Jackson, who's their best receiver. Look, I'm going to throw to you whether you're open or not. So you better get there. So really it's kind of downplaying like, you know, Philly is just a collection of kind of talented players. The scheme is all right. The scheme is good, but they just kind of execute uh, everything perfectly. So on first downs, the order is Byers and Jackson. On third down, it's Jackson and Byers. And then the red zone, it's Carter and Jackson. We're going to double Jackson a lot. If you could really shut down Jackson, they can never put together an 80-yard drive. And at this point in his career, he, Randall Cunningham, is not beating people every week with his arm, but he's beating people every week with his running. I need to sneeze. God bless you. God bless Thank you. you. I'm keeping that sneezing, by the way. Are you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm keeping that. I'm totally keeping that sneezing. Um, so, you know, and even last week they were talking about you know, stopping Randall Cunningham and, you know, kind of treating Randall Cunningham as almost the sixth wide receiver because yeah. you want to have somebody who's shadowing him that's fast and athletic and can keep up with them. Uh, you know the saying about what happens to those who fail to acknowledge the lessons of history and how you're doomed to repeat it? Well, we have enough history to know that's not the way that we play him in terms of playing playing Randall Cunningham like he's just a conventional quarterback, like he's a Joe Montana, and he doesn't have that mobility. So coaches and players, they're they're coming to this understanding, you know, we're you know, we're getting to Wednesday, we're getting to Wednesday, we're getting to Thursday, you know, we're watching the film of what we've done previously. We we watched the we're watching the practice film, we're out on the practice field, and now we're getting this optimism like, you know, fuck these guys. We can do it, we can do it, but snacks, and this was pretty much the theme of these two chapters. I feel like almost every sentence, every sentence that followed, you know, maybe a point of optimism of, you know, oh, you know, the Eagles, maybe they're not as good as we think that they are, or we can kind of stop them. They're, they're kind of simple. We kind of have the guys that can do it, but there was always a butt at the end of the sentence. And do you know what the, what that butt is? I mean, the butt. No, I, I want you to guess. No, I don't want to. I don't want to guess. LT. But oh wow! It always. I, I, I mean, I literally, I literally could have guessed that in two seconds. I know, I know. That's why I wanted to put your thinking cap on. I, I, it I always, it always. I thought it was. Good. On... I thought it was going to be this more exaggerant. You, you know what? Yeah, it's fuck okay. Me on, fuck me on that one. Yeah, it's all right. Yep. It's 
it's all right, but it always rests on the shoulders of LT and whether, you know, super, this is the, literally the metaphor, the simile, whatever you want to call it. This is what they used over and over again. If Superman can put on his cape and he can just get over whatever ailment he's experiencing, it's with his ankle. Now they, it does get to a point. I believe this is Thursday evening where LT is getting in his car. And I guess we can just, we can just go into the bank. We can get to this. No, he's not going to the Bing. Actually, well, you want to know what? It's funny. He, he may be going to the Bing because the try the team doc team doctor at this point is not Ronnie Barnes. It's somebody else. Ronnie Barnes. It's not Ronnie Barnes is the head trainer. He is not the head yes. doctor yet. But the head doctor is talking about. I give LT pill. You know, they give him like prescription pills and stuff like that. And right. He's and LT loses him. LT is one of those guys where it's like you need to. He's like a child. Where did you take your meds today? Did you take your meds today? And he's like, Nah, I lost it in the car. Nah, I forgot. I know I lost it over here. I, lo- I lost it on my locker. So it's like, you, what do you, what the head doctor would have to do is if uh, LT, you know, take Lawrence. I don't know what they call him. Take the the linebacker. Hey linebacker. <laughs> the, the linebacker. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, the, hey, the linebacker. Take this pill now. And then please take it when you get home tonight. And you know, well, odds are he would lose his pills at the at the freaking bang while he's doing uh while he's doing coke in the bathroom. So, um, yeah, yeah, there you you just did the the, the hand swiping notion under boom. Yeah. That's it right there. Boom. That's what that's what I'll teach. But it also is um, you know, just circling back real quick. And yes, it all predicates on on the linebacker number 56 uh lt lawrence taylor the greatest football player of all time but it's not like the the giants were were like the cleveland browns from 2016 to 2018 when but they were they so were, bad right right and but they, like, were they really, had just won a super bowl two years ago three but years also ago. you have to know carl banks is no i'm sorry carl banks was there um no, the, harry carson's harry not there Harry yep. Carson's not there. Leonard Marshall's not yes. there. A lot of a lot of their best defensive players, a lot of their leaders are not there. I get it. But they still have the greatest football player ever. And that's where you're coming into question. Do we have the linebacker? Do we have number 56 ready to go? And if we do, then nobody should beat us, especially a team that has won uh, no division titles or, or whatever Parcells was saying. So that that I love. Just hearing that coach speak. That that's that's coach speak. Like that's how you motivate a team, right? If, especially for a divisional rival like that. That's how you do it. But the and, motivation of surrounding, if Lawrence Taylor is not here, that is something that is not happening right now. Whether no, it's you know, no, Bill, no, Bill. No. Actually, these two chapters, you, I didn't really hear, you didn't really hear a lot from Bill Belichick. Heard a lot from a decent amount from Romeo Cromel, who was the special special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. It's really it was it's it's. I'm not really a special teams guy, and we're not really going to talk about it, but it was really interesting to hear all the intricacies that go into special teams. And even Raina Thompson, who was the guy that actually messed up on special teams the week before in San Francisco, yeah. longtime defensive back, but a longtime special teams player too. He was watching in practice. Now they practice in Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands. Right. So they, you know, they didn't have the quest diagnostics field that they practiced or, in. Or so, the bubble. The, or the bubble, right. So he was watching Sean Landetta's punts and he was, and he, what he was, and he was watching him. I want to know when does the ball start to come down? Does it like float in the air for a little bit before it just spot, you know, before it just spirals down and it comes down. He was talking about 
how the ball arrives to the ground. And, you know, I guess because it's timing, if he's a gunner and he's going and he's trying to, you know, tackle a guy, especially on a punt return, you know, where, how, you know, how should I time the ball coming down to the ground? So just even hearing him break that down, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, yeah. the, the level of detail is, is actually unbelievable. So Lawrence Taylor, he gets in his car Thursday night and he's going to some MRI. He's going to get some more testing and all that they believe right now is um, that he has a high ankle sp- or not high ankle sprain. They don't they don't specifically say high ankle Some sprain. Some form but just, of ankle sprain. Just a very painful ankle sprain. Yeah. Evident there is no evidence to suggest otherwise, and that is at least as of Thursday evening. But you know, you talked about the mot- you know the motivation for the team and how that's awesome to face the Eagles. There is I I am kind of shocked reading this that. There is a very doom and gloom type of mood happening right now. If Lawrence Taylor doesn't play, it's it's very now Friday may be a different story, but as of right now, it's very doom and gloom if he's and it's not looking good. Right. And see, I, I just wanted to bring that up. Like Parcells can go on and on and on about that speech about the Eagles and how much they hate the Eagles and how much the Eagles have won nothing and all of that. But if your best player and the best player in football history is not there and you learn about that like Saturday morning, then everything your coach just said kind of takes a back burner to it. Like, well, shit, how are we going to do this with LLT? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's very th- – so surprising that Bill made that speech earlier in the week without a prognosis of LT and what he could do on game day. But I still love the fact he did it. He's trying to get his players pumped up regardless. Yeah, but LT's a different specimen, man. Like, he's that engine that kept everybody going. I don't know how good of a leader he was. I would assume he's probably not the best leader in the world. He was doing coke with my father on Route 17 at the Bing before games. So I'm sure he wasn't the greatest leader of all time, but he was the greatest football player of all time. So it's like, all right, well, you want us to gear up for the Eagles and all this, Coach Coach Parcells, but how are we gonna do that with LT? So it's kind of it's kind of a very double-edged sword, if you ask me, to motivate the team, not knowing if LT's there or not. But I still think you have to do it, regardless. Because if he's not there, your team needs to be geared up. And if he is there, your team's going to be geared up even more. Dr. Warren, um, I don't know his first name, but Dr. Warren is, the, is the, I believe, the first name of the team doctor for the Giants at the time. You know, and he and they're in communication with Ronnie Barnes, and both of them at one point say throughout this, you know, these two chapters, they say it's a 50 50 shot of Lawrence playing right now. This is before they're still giving him x rays, nothing, I don't think anything's broken, just sprain, right? Yeah. Um, so no, he, he needs to get the MRI, and there's a funny quote about uh, about the whole MRI situation, and and, and we'll get to that. But there's a 50 they give him a 50 50 shot of playing this Sunday, but 30 70 if this was a normal person. If this was a normal person, 30% chance he plays, 70% chance he doesn't, 50 but because it's LT and because, again, the whole idea that this guy is Superman and, you know, he's tore up his hand. You know, they go back to – they keep on going back to that torn hamstring thing. He tore up his hamstring, um, I think, earlier that season you yeah. know, against the Saints. The 89 you know, that, season, yeah. 89 yeah. season. And dude just comes back the next week and, and dominates he, he's and he's unbelievable so <laughs> he dominates because he was he actually suffered a few injuries that this season parcells give gave lawrence the nickname what's the matter with 
So he would be like, hey, hey, what's the matter with? Because even though he always came back and played, the media kept on asking Bill, what's the matter with Taylor? What's the matter with Taylor? So Bill started to call LT that, and that pissed him off so much. It pissed him off to no fucking end. And LT was a guy that was just motivated by competition. You know, there, there was no you know, coach speak that uh, Parcells needed to do to get LT into a football game. No, he was motivated by going out there, winning, but also going out there and motivated by performing well individually and then not just knocking somebody's block off. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't be like Superman without being motivated by that competition. You know, right. there are some guys, you know, I was always an athlete where, you know, I, 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 think, I think I needed to maybe hear a, a speech that would get me extra pumped up or – Blah, 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 blah. No, LT was just motivated by competition, and that's why I'm sitting behind a chair podcasting, and LT <laughs> is the greatest football player of all time, right? So he's motivated by that competition. And Well, it, it, isn't it? Isn't, it's, it's so funny to me. Like, like Parcells is the only coach I can get away with that. Think about it. Any other coach that's going to go out on public on record and say, uh, what was it? What's the matter with? What's the matter with? You really think LT is going to take that from anybody else? I don't know. Come on. It's a good, it's a good question. Like Bill Parcells, I don't, I don't, the only I don't know guy if he would he uh, could take that from. I don't know if he would take it from Bill Belichick because Be- Belichick at the time is mm. this. Well, no, Belichick at the time is young and. Yeah, but I don't L- know how. LT, he, if you watch LT's Showtime show or Showtime feature, whatever it was, yeah, he, he, yeah. he talks more highly of Bill Belichick than he does Parcells. So maybe. But any other coach, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe Parcells pissed him off too much. Maybe, but also Parcells probably brought the best out of him too. Well, right, right. Think of it like that. So it's like a, it's a, again, like I said before in the earlier on the episode, it's a double edged sword. So, and not to switch gears, but no, no. Uh, in terms of talking about Parcells with players and pissing guys off. I recently just watched America's Game, a snippet of America's Game 1991. I believe it was on the 4th or the 5th of July it was on. And Hostetler was done. Hostetler was talking in 1991 about being done. And, you know, he was basically on the bench for his entire career. And, you know, when when was he drafted? I wanted to look this up. I wanted to look this up before. 83. Look at you. Good for you. Good for you. Was it? I have no idea. Oh, oh, I was I I was going to believe you. Yeah, I'm sorry. 85. No, I was close. 85. So he spent the majority of his career with the Giants. Let me just yes. see really quick. Did he spend his, his whole career with the Giants? Well, we did, no, we did, did talk about a Giants game where it was Hostetler versus uh, Danny Canal. So. That's true. A rate with the Raiders. Well, the uh, the Redskins. Oh, oh yes. The, yes. Washington Redskins. He, that was his last year in 1997. Yes. yes. So, but he spent um, 1985 to 1992 with the Giants. And yeah. really the first major playing time that he got was 91. So imagine, yeah. you know, and, and we've talked previously early in the offseason how free agency was different. You didn't have the fifth year option, right? You know, you were signed for four years. Well, you know, and that's Whatever the fifth year option. Fifth year option only serves for first round picks anyway. Yeah. And Hostetler probably was definitely not a first round pick. I would um, hope third, not. Third round pick. So, you know, you don't have your four years. Where and then you can hit free agency. And then Hostetler, after those four years, even if he's a disgruntled backup, you know, he could hit the free agent market and then maybe he could start somewhere else or maybe he can get a little bit of a better salary to back up and it could be a little bit better easing for the soul when you put your head down at night. But 
Hostetler was even talking in 1989 about kind of being impatient and kind of even in this book set, like you can sense that there's an urgency in him. Like he wants to play. Yeah. And, you know, in America's game, 1991, he was like, I was, I was going to, you know, he f- did formally request a trade, uh, whether it was 90, 91, but Parcells denied it. And then he finally got his chance to play. And, you know, then the rest, he of made history, the most of it rest is history from there. So Parcells kind of got under Hostetler's skin by him not playing, but even with Phil Sims and I, uh, poor Phil Sims was a, was a phrase that I uttered a ton last week. <laughs> he said, Parcells said over and over and over again about, if Sims isn't hundred percent, then he's going to start Jeff Hostetler. And he was saying to the media during, you know, Parcells was saying to the media during the week, you know, it's not just about if Phil Sims can play, it's about how Phil Sims can play. So you could say this to Phil, maybe behind closed doors, but the fact that he's saying it publicly to the media to the media is like, look, it's not, it's not a matter of if, if Phil can put on the pads and if Phil's a tough son of a gun and he can play. It's still a matter of how he can play. It's oh, like, yeah. geez, you don't even want to give him credit for being a tough SOB coach publicly. A, a just, Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, like just a few years ago. The greatest and, Super Bowl performance ever. Right. Ever and and the, the, the vitriol he got from Giants fans for a long time and he shut everybody up and was a damn good giant quarterback. Like, you know, Phil Sims doesn't Phil. Sim, I don't think Phil Sims gets the credit he deserves. Uh, we never saw him play, but just going back on the records and the books that we've read and the, the the videos we've watched and everything, Phil Sims was a tough cookie. He was a tough cookie. He really wanted he wanted the most out of himself. He wanted to be pushed by Parcells, and Parcells pushed him to the absolute limits. I think he literally, you know, he physically couldn't play in that that postseason run in 1990 when Hostetler won, but. I don't, I, I don't know. I, you hit your wagon, to your quarterback. Imagine putting it this way, like Joe judge saying, Oh, Mike Glennon, Mike Glennon could very well play over Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones doesn't perform, do you know what the New York media would do to that nowadays? Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. That would be the, the topic of conversation for, for, for months, the whole year. So there's a continual dismissal of Phil Sims, and there's just and uh, as as it kind of now I'm not saying that Phil Sims deserves to be dismissed, but the continual highlight and holding Lawrence Taylor up on a pedestal, which if you think about the game of football in you know 19 in 1989 and then 2020, it's kind of backwards. It's like you're pushing down your quarterback and you're, yes. and you're, and you're, and you're kind of, yeah. you're kind of hitching your wagon to the defensive, the defensive right. the edge rusher. Yeah. yeah. To, to basically the edge rusher to yeah. the, you know, the linebacker. Yeah. Um, the defensive player. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so here, so here's a quote about, about Lawrence Taylor. And I believe this is Ronnie Barnes who's saying this in his mind. He still thinks he can put the Superman outfit on and surprise the world. He loves it like this. He's convinced he's going to play yesterday. He asked about DMSO which I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, dimethyl sulfoxide. He can't get it from us, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went over and he got some from the track, which the track is... Um, Meadowlands track? The Meadowlands for horses. Yeah, I'll know, I know it because I'll smell it. It's an inflammatory which is used very successful on horses. Barnes says it has been experimentally approved for humans in a couple of states, 
rubbed on the skin, DMSO, is absorbed directly into the bloodstream. Some years ago, Warren Moon, the Oilers quarterback who suffers from tendonitis, used it when he played in the Canadian Football League and continued to use it when he came to Houston. The substance has a side effect that gives the user's breath and odor, which has been charitably compared to rancid garlic. This <laughs> caused some of Moon's teammates to look at him strangely in the huddle. Uh, Barnes does not stock it, recommend it, or use it. In his heart of hearts, one, sus- one suspects he subscribes it to the Jewish grandmother theory in this matter. It probably couldn't help, but then again, it probably couldn't hurt. So Barnes is certainly not going to prescribe this DMSO stuff. Um, but he's also not, I guess he's not going to stop. He's not going to vouch away from it. No. (laughs) Um, and then again, so this is now Dr. Warren. This is the team doctor. We talked about this last week, but they affirm it once again, but I'll tell you one thing that might surprise you. Nobody on this team is going to get a shot of a painkiller so he can play. Bill Parcells won't permit it. He's very strong about that. Always has been players come here and they can't believe it but it's a firm rule here. Dr. Warren feels the same way as I, I guess this is, I guess this is still um, Ronnie Barnes. Dr. Warren feels the same way as I do. And Bill simply won't permit it. So here's a little funny story too, uh, of a quote of LT going to get um, an MRI during practice at the bing um, at, at the bing. Yeah. During, during the day, is the, <laughs> is the bing open during the day? <laughs> I'm sure it is for LT. Let's do whatever we have to do. Uh, they don't need me at practice. They need me Sunday. Bill says I have until 11.45 on Sunday before I'm really out. And this is what LT says. I brought in a podiatrist yesterday, and he brought a number of braces with him, but they didn't seem to help, he told Lawrence. He'll probably be sore for about three weeks, and he didn't expect him to play. Meanwhile, Dr. Warren sent him for more x-rays. We want to make sure the ankle isn't broken. It's tough to get an appointment for an MRI, so I sent him over in the middle of practice and I got my ass in trouble with Bill, who wanted him to watch the new stuff we just put in case. So Bill called me on the field, and he said that it was the stupidest thing I had ever done in my life. He says, how is he going to be ready for the game if he doesn't know the plays? Couldn't you get it done this morning or later tonight? And what's the difference anyway? If he can walk on it, he can play. And if he can't, he can't. So I took it all and said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he said, don't yes, sir, me. Can he play Sunday or not? I said, well, I don't think there's a chance. And he said, you think there's a chance? Do you think I need to know? Now, this morning, LT was here for an hour. He got electric simulation, ice, a massage, blah, blah, blah. He's taped. He seemed to be walking better. And then that's when he drops the line about the 50-50 for LT, but 30-70 for the normal person. So uh, unbelievable. Don't, don't He's yes, literally like a Do you Superman. think I need to know? That's so funny. That is what That is such a great interaction. I wish we had that on video so we could clip that. Because that interaction in itself is probably the best that I have heard from any book we've read between Parcells and Barnes. Incredible. Well, no, this was Dr. Warren. Uh, Dr. Warren. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dr. Warren. Yes. Well, no, Ronnie Barnes got it on uh, Tuesday. And now he got on Tuesday. Yes. Dr. Warren. uh, Yes. It's Wednesday, Thursday, and Dr. Warren's. Imagine Parcells chewing you out like that. Um, like his star player, his prized possession, his only way to win a football game. And he's chewing you out on the football field. Like it that. isn't even Friday or Saturday yet. No, it's, that's, that's the point. That's the point. That's the best part. Oh my God. That, that poor bastard. I'm sure it's, he's dead now, right? <laughs> Dr. Warren. I would think so. I'm, I mean, oh, who, who knows? He's probably, he's probably Ronnie Barnes's assistant for all, for all we know. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, 
I know. I actually think he is. I remember the remember that there was a really old old guy, Jim Johnson, on the sideline. No, Jim not Johnson. Jim Johnson. Yeah, it was Jim Johnson. Oh, oh, okay. I wonder when he, when did he get here? Well, Jim Johnson's been dead for a while. Um, I know. I thought I thought that may have been Doctor Warren. No, that wasn't Doctor Warren. Hold on, okay. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna look it up right now. All right, so we have one thing left. John Johnson. A, John Johnson. Look at that. Look at that. You see this? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. He's an old man. I got it. Okay. I thought that may have been Dr. Warren. That would have been so fucking funny. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so one more thing left. And it's something that we've talked about maybe once or twice this offseason, but I, I always love talking about it. Um, they, so it's 3.30 p.m. on, on Thursday, and uh, uh, I, Jerry Eisenberg is in the ticket office for, you know, processing the, you know, Eagles giants tickets for, for this weekend, trying to sell extra tickets or whatever, you know, I didn't fully read what was happening in the ticket office. I frankly didn't care, but there are some, there are some funny stories from it. And today people are dying to see the giants play the Eagles, but then people die every week to see the giants play. My mother or father is dying. The phone calls go. And her last request is to see this game. You have to help me. It's remarkable. The number of times the same people can die. If you didn't know better, you'd swear there, there, there weren't people, but they were cats with nine lives. Sooner or later, everyone in the ticket office feels such calls. So, you know, it's a big game. And think about, I mean, think about it, Snacks. You know, there, so I'm, I'll get to it now. There were 16,000 names on the waiting list in 1989 for Giants Damn. regular season tickets. So if you wanted to go to a game and you don't have tickets and you didn't know anybody that maybe that was willing to give it away, given a fielding a call to the Giants ticket office saying that I'm dying or in my last my last request is to see it is to see this Giants Eagles game that is that is <laughs> so an funny and and that's an error before like smartphones and anything so you're, you're taking one collect call and, and dialing it to them hoping you get tickets which is which is crazy to me because as a, uh, a waitlist holder my whole life that I never got a call for which we were talking before the show. If I did, then my dad never gave it to me because he put me on the wait list when I was first born. Um, that's got to be insane. When you think about it, that, that that's insane. Yeah. I you, was also put on. No, March 11th, 1998. I was put. I was also put. Same thing. On yep. the, uh, the waiting list for Giants regular season tickets. My father did the same thing. March 26th, 1993, baby. They, they talk about it here. Jerry Eisenberg and. Uh, a uh, Pat Emanuel, uh, a secretary of the ticket office, he says this. There's 76,891 seats in Giant Stadium, including the luxury boxes. All are sold out. The waiting list for season tickets has 16,000 names on it. By the time you finish reading the list, it will probably have more. Each day, people call to ask why they haven't qualified, says the secretary, Pat Emanuel. And I have to explain to them how long the list really is. One day, a couple of us looked at the tiny number of people who do not renew and we figured out it would take about 40 years for the bottom name to get to the top. Jesus. Sometimes people call and put their children's names on the list, which both of our fathers did. Yep. That's all right if the kid is five days old. And even then, he'll probably be a grandfather by the time he gets his tickets. Unbelievable. Can truer words ever been spoken? No. No, which is why, it, <laughs> I mean, which is why. That is, that, that is so funny to me about that whole ordeal of, getting those tickets 
I need to interview some not well, we need to interview somebody. We should ask Big Blue VCR about this. We need to interview somebody who understands why the Giants did what they did in terms of the PSLs. Because I mean, I guess that they figured. I mean, if there were sixteen thousand, they're money hungry fucking whores, Justin. I mean, they're yes. money hungry whores. I mean, yes. I mean that if when it in in simpleton rudimentary terms, yes. Like, and you are right by that. But it makes me sick. It, it it does. But at the same time, more people get to go to Giants games now. Which I, but also more opposing fans get to go to Giants well, games. Well, that's now. the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. We but don't also, have a home field if advantage. the team, if the team is good, but also what it boils down to, if the team is good, Giants fans are going to come out to see the the, the home team. That's but if true. the team is bad, then that's why when you have PSLs, the home, the the away fans are willing to pay one hundred and sixty dollars to, to see, see their, their team, team that's yeah. good, and the Giants that are or bad you know, two and ten, nobody's willing to see that. Right. So, you know, I but I there has to be some, you know, explanation for why they went to this PSLs, because I guess maybe they figured, like I said, if there are 16,000 names on this list in 1989, then imagine what it was in 2009. I don't want to know. 25,000, right? You know, 20, the, the last year to stay. I don't I don't even I don't even want to know. And I could tell you, I could tell you. PSL stands for suck my cock. I don't even want to talk about PSL. That's not that's not what it's that's not no, it's not. No, it's not. But that's what I'm telling you what it stands for. Because what they do to the to the fans that like me and you and, and, and the Dannys of the world and, and everybody who loves his team more than anything in the world, what they have done to us is disgusting. And it makes me sick. And I'm so upset that we're gonna end on this note because I really like this chapter of the book, Justin. I really did. But the fact the fact that they can go, they can have the audacity to do this to us fans, people who care more about this team than they do breathing. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. More than they do breathing or their family. And they will kill family members for wins. For regular season wins, mind you. They will kill their family members for them. And they will decide to do this for them. To make money. Those money-hungry, whore, cock suckers. All right, so I can't have you on that interview. You, you, I don't think you'd be able to contain yourself. Yeah, I would. And I, and I'm not talking about interviewing somebody from like the front office. I, I just meant, I just mean like a, no, a I business, could do it. I could do a it. business could do savvy person that understands. Have I always stepped up when needed? You always do. You're clutch. I will then. So are we interviewing them right now? No, I, no, I don't. And then know let me I, let loose. I don't know who this hypothetical person is. First of all, we're not even gonna be able to go to the games this year, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> we're, we're back on this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. So the the story. I, I man. I. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to throw. I didn't mean to throw you off. That was a good ending. I'm sorry. No. Just, no. 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 That shit I'm, irks me so much because I I was I was on the waiting list for so long and I never got him. I never name, got a call. No. I'm telling you, your name. You were called because. How do you know? Because my name was on the waiting list and I was lower than you. I got a phone call from the Giants after my father paid the PSLs. For the new seats. Well, then maybe my the father changed his phone number. I have no idea. Because you you definitely got some sort of call or they tried to call you because I got a call. Like after we had our tickets bought and everything. And that's why that's why I think they did the PSLs because they figured. Look no. at how many people are interested no. in buying tickets. No, I'll never agree with the people that think. can't afford the people that have been here since Yankee Stadium that can't afford to 
pay these PSLs, okay, they're just going to go and they're going to no, go away. But, but see, then the 20,000 people that are on the waiting list, those are 20,000 people that are willing to pay for tickets. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And think of, think about guys like LPG. That guy should be paid to go to games. He should be paid to go to games. And he should be sitting right behind the bench. Yeah, those are the those that's the Giants stuff. But but instead, instead LPG's got to sit up top at Giants home games. He does. No, he does. He always sits down below. No, he sits down below on on road games. Maybe oh. he goes. Maybe he goes down downstairs on on, a, on home games. But I've seen him numerous times with pitchers up top. That man, no more than anybody else in this world, deserves to be sitting behind the bench, getting those guys pumped up. And if anybody else in the world, and I'm not just saying that. No, I'm you're not. right. No, you're right. He he he. Like me, does, I shouldn't be allowed in the stadium. He should be allowed on the field. He does a lot for the organization. I mean, and you know, this is something that I think a lot of fans and people have talked about. The Giants just do things differently. You know, if this were the Cardinals, for example, you know, take Different the story. if there if there was an LPG for the Cardinals. You know, even take Fireman Ed. Like gold. Fireman Ed is literally on the he, – he is a part of the brand for the Jets. Don't even get me started on Fireman Ed. Let me tell you something. Fireman Ed, Fireman Ed, when the Jets went bad, when the Jets went bad, he was the – when they went absolutely fucking dick, okay? And then when they were then, – then when they went even worse, Fireman Ed quit. He stopped going to games, okay? He stopped going to games. You know who didn't stop going to games? LPG Joe. LPG. He didn't stop going to games. And I, I, I listen, I love LPG. He's a great man. I'm not standing him right now. But I'm just saying that that's an example of what they should be doing better to treat our fans. You're right. Sorry. I don't know how it turned into that, but it just irked me a lot. Sorry. And I'm so sorry. the final, the final story that I wanted to talk about, but it was, it was a timing thing. It was not you. It was not your fault. Nah, I went off. I'm sorry. No, no, we may uh, we may get to it next week, but I, I want to talk about it eventually, even if it's a story that we save how George Young was hired mm, and fuck. his relationship and the dynamic between Bill Parcells and George Young. I think we should do that first thing next week. Want to do that first thing? Next I week? would love to do that. Yeah. OK, because right, George Young stuff. has been a big part of our show. So, yeah. And so Absolutely. is Bill. I, I would love to hear that dynamic. And the GM head coach dynamic is very cool to me. So I, I would like to, to hear more about that. Yeah. All right. Well, can I apologize? I'm sorry for going off the last 20 minutes. No, that was no. I, I thought that was great. I thought that, that was vintage you. You need to do that every once in a while. Yeah. Sometimes I just got to let it out. You know, it's July, you know, slow time. July, yeah. This is the slowest time of the year for, for all of football. Um, yeah. The fact that you, you got that fired up about football, I'm happy for you. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I love this team more in life. All right, so keep on Bleeding Blue. We will see you next week. Two more weeks left of Bleeding Blue. That's it. Two more weeks left, and then the reg- you know, we're going to treat August as almost like the regular season, You know, getting ready for the regular season on the Talking Giants YouTube channel. But Bleeding Blue, it's an off-season show. It'll be back next off-season. So two more weeks left. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on Bleeding Blue and Snacks. Fuck you, Tiki Barber.